0: Guys like Halo, Call of hey. Duty, get hey. you shit back. Baby Draco got no kickback, take a Draco to the kickback. Molly 10, look like Simba selling Molly off my dispatch. Maxo Jordan, Maxo Kobe, you can't hold me, it's a mismatch. Off the sauna, that's my fun I got Badu just like Andre, in and my crystal yeah. do. A- I get you kiss
1: for less than fighter Alright, we're back once again, folks,
0: live in
1: Greenwood.
0: Bonjour Shalom and what's up? and welcome back to episode 88 of How You Livin'.
1: The show recorded live in the Million Dollar Studios atop the Chaz Tower. Live once again here, episode 88. That's right. Staying great. Keeping it eight. Uh, as always, we start with a simple question, and it's not how you living. No, <laughs> no. That question is, Chaz, how you living?
0: So if you listen to the last episode, you know, I just came back from Philadelphia from sending off Miss Elizabeth Super Bennett. Um, she was uh, the mother of uh, my childhood friends, and she was also a godmother to me after my mom passed away. And she was an amazing black woman that did a lot within her community. Um, and she has written a couple of poetry books. She did a lot of stuff learning about entertainment. She did a lot with uh, black entertainers, including LeVar Burton and reading with Reading Rainbow and all that. Um, she also touched a lot of lives as a school teacher, as a part of the Philadelphia. Um, public school system, so it is sad to see her go, but um, as I go further on through life, I do want to do more about representing the things that she championed by, like, you know getting people to be more creative, have people use their voice however it is, be whether it be poetry, music, podcasting, or whatever, and you know, just doing a lot more to help out the marginalized with my platform. So it was a really fun experience to go home and see my friends and catch up with them and see what they're doing since I hadn't been there in about five years. And just also be able to reflect on my life and see where I should go in this next stage forward, which is close enough to the beginning of 2020, where you could see it as sort of resolutions, but not really.
1: Nice. Well, uh, I'm glad that, you know, her life um, sounds like it it touched a lot of people and that she uh, was a pillar in her community. And that um I'm glad that it, it has inspired uh you to do some um grand things with your life and the time that you have here, yeah yeah, and uh carry on uh, part of that mission and the things that she championed and uh yeah that's a that's a good uh, growth moment both for you and for this world moving forward so um, for sure, rest in peace to her and uh my solace to her family who survives her, and hopefully they have um, some of this kind of grand outlook that you have to kind of carry them through uh, the future days. Indeed. Uh, With that, we do have a segment here at the show that we like to kick off the top of the shows. Uh, It's a segment that dates back to our second episode. It's uh, a little segment we like to call... Callbacks.
0: Callbacks.
1: Yeah. And that's just a look back at episodes and topics that we've had in the past and things that kind of stick around or come back into the media. And uh, I always start by looking at my buddy Chaz and saying... Uh, what kind of callbacks do you have this week, Chaz?
0: Uh, personally, I have two. One, I want to talk about the numbers that we had for the total number of delegates that's going on since we're in the whole primary season of who's going to be the Democratic candidate of going into, I guess, the summer. Uh, so for those who want to have this beat a uh, uh, bit of uh what would you call it, not economics, but Anywho, let's see. Um, the number of pledged delegates is uh, 4,051. And the number of superdelegates is 1714. And, and if you remember back in 2016, the whole Bernie versus Hillary thing was the superdelegates putting her over the top to get the nomination. Right. And of course, as it stands right now, to my knowledge on this Friday, which I believe is the 7th of February, that is still the lay of the land. But I have seen some articles i haven't read them so it's only from the headlines so i don't know the veracity or actual you know impact this is going to have at any point in time but um i have heard some inklings that that there are going to be some that the dnc might be trying to instate the the superdelegates again before um a candidate hits the magic number of a two thousand three hundred and
1: eighty total delegates gotcha
0: because the way like the way it happens is you get the nomination as soon as you hit two thousand three hundred and eighty delegates um out of the out of the entirety of the four thousand seven hundred and sixty five delegates but because bernie supporters myself even was like that's bullshit that you put the super delegates in there because the super delegates are made up of um I guess that the DNC establishment, and if you see this race as, you know, one part socialist, one part moderate, um, you know that, I guess, the establishment at the moment uh, gives people the ability to actually... Uh, be able to just change the course of the election away from, I guess, more socialist policies to more moderate or I guess more socialist candidates to more moderate candidates. So gotcha. back in 2018, they did a whole thing where they were trying to make sure that that didn't happen again. But uh, they, it might be coming back. So I'm going to keep an eye out on it. Um, and my second call back is I wanted to run back speaking of uh, the whole Bernie thing and there's a whole uh, Bernie Warren thing that happened last time and when I was talking about last time I was talking about identity politics and what I wanted to articulate is the fact that I want to be able to criticize Bernie and Warren as uh, presidential candidates but I also know at times that we have to think about the dynamics that exist in our society between men and women and the way that we look at them from the authoritarian standpoint and the way we look at them from how we see who is electable and who isn't. So while at the moment I don't have enough information to make any delineation of what happened, and at least I strive for myself to be, um, I guess, intellectually honest when I'm making those decisions. I don't want to say anything too definitively. Um, But for those who are listening who either sided with Warren or sided with Bernie, I want them to be mindful of that. Um, And how that's going to affect people's decision making down the line. Um, And I'm still going to be a policy wonk for the most of this uh, election period. And I'm going to vote for the people who I believe support the policies that I want to see most. And that's still um, Bernie first and Warren second kind of okay technically it's yang third but (laughs) like i really don't like how yang kowtows the bigotry sometimes so i'm like i'm like "Eh." right but that's me though so that's what i wanted to put out there just to make sure you're mindful of that and i wanted to be mindful of that where i didn't feel like i gave uh, my comment enough space to articulate that and I also didn't want my comment to be left as though that I thought that no, we should just say w- Warren is actually lying, or no, we need to believe Bernie 100%. Just, um, Right. since we started the show, I guess we have looked at things uh, to at least understand the mindset where everything is, everybody is coming from. Yeah. So I think going through, once we understand that we can continue towards tactical unity so we can help, uh, get rid of the democratic existential threats that are inside the white house, the judiciary and the Senate. Right. And of course
1: the big orange monster at the helm of the presidency right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously,
1: um, you know, that's a good point to make that, uh, um, uh, always checking your own biases or being aware of your own biases and uh, altering you know some perspective in order to uh, maintain a balance in how in perspective of how you 're looking at things is important and also in that specific instance, it is to be said that the facts on the ground. Uh, are not necessarily detailed or, or very easy to mm-hmm. ascertain, and so the likelihood of a comment made by Bernie at that time is high. The likelihood of her possibly blowing it up is high, so the kind of um, reality that we live in today of you know twitter and 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 creating these conflict headlines mm-hmm. you know might outweigh a moment that is there that we could have articulated. Um, you know, both uh, a look at our own biases, and perhaps had, like you're saying, a shared unity moment for the Democrats, because it is unfortunate that that became a bit of a division, mm-hmm. you know, moment so early in this kind of last leg of the the presidential race here, as far as the Dems selecting who their uh, main person's going to be um obviously we're in the beginning stages of the primary but we're in the later stages of the presidency run as a whole indeed um you know it's it's unfortunate um having the casualties within their own ranks at this moment obviously that's kind of part of the business of um of politics when you're running uh, against your party at the early stages so um, we'll see, and you know, I and I applaud you for for taking the time to to, to revisit that and to give people kind of some understanding. Um, yeah, there was a it was an interesting moment, and we really, uh, all facts aside, don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and it is also a moment of um, uh, of how these comments. I mean, those aside, just comments in general, how they can get blown up into these situations, and so. You know, uh, looking forward, these candidates have to be very wary of every conversation they have, you know, and whether something that they might think is just kind of set off the record as a kind of here to there and not really something that they might stand by could be articulated in an article or or tweeted or stated by some journalist as, you know, a measure of fact and um and so they kind of have to be aware of those things so even if it was not said or said in passing or said directly or said with intention or all those things we kind of don't even know the the measure of those things anymore it's like it's just headline fodder at this point
0: that's for sure
1: you know and so uh moving forward you know we can all take a lesson from that and uh, we can see there's enough craziness in this whole process as it is. Indeed, that you know we don't have to make um, too much out of um, each individual thing. We can kind of see them for what they are and, and move forward and continue what you're saying the uh, the fight of unity at the the challenges to democracy as we see it right now. Uh, With that said, is there any other kind of points that you have that uh, reflect on topics we've had in the past?
0: Uh, No, those are my big two that I had planned that I just wanted to get off my chest and also just make sure that the right information was out there. So, yeah, I'm kind of ready to, unless you have some callbacks, to get into everything that is politics right now. Callback
1: to everything we've ever spoken about the NFL. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs and Grandpa of the NFL, Andy Reid uh he he deserves it um it was a it was an interesting game less than exciting for some not the uh offensive uh back and forth we expected but definitely an exciting four minutes to end it so uh congratulations to them uh moving forward uh we also moving forward are now inside episode eighty eight the year after <laughs> no i don't know it's two years after marty mcfly <laughs> um and I'm sure some famous NASCAR. I don't know a lot of 88s. Michael Irvin, I think, was an 88. Yeah, uh, I don't
0: know a lot of 88s either. Yeah, so. I mean, he had to go 88 miles per hour to Oh. There we go. There but, is. Hey, you know. As long as there's a Back to Future <laughs> reference, I'm
1: a happy candidate.
0: Uh, and a lot on
1: the news today. If you have been paying attention to the fight of the cornfields, the Iowa caucus. Oh my gosh! The Iowa caucus. This is a interesting political event. Like it,
0: it is. It is. Caucuses are interesting, but this whole so the whole like so it's very interesting right now because uh, we're definitely seeing uh, a divide of. Uh, the The more socialist policy, socialist candidate of Bernie Sanders. And the moderate that pulled out in this one was one that I was not expecting, and that was Pete Buttigieg.
1: Po- Pete Buttigieg. Now, and, and and this is 99% reporting. Uh, this is strictly off Google, where they're getting their information from the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. Is putting uh, Buttigieg, Booty Age, Booty Man, Mayor Pete. Pe- booty Man. At, uh, at <laughs> 13 delegates. Oh. 26.2% with an exact count of 564, which then to Bernie's, 12 delegates. Oh, no. 26.1% of the vote oh. and 562. 562?
0: Not a, like 5,000?
1: A difference of, um, well, I can get the, yeah, 562. Um,
0: is that the number of votes they got? Or? Yeah,
1: 564 for Pete, 562 for Bernie, 387 for Warren. And that gives her 18% and third place with eight delegates. Joe Biden, who at one point was slated to be the more than likely clear winner early going into the week, uh, came out fourth place with six delegates, Oh. 15.8% of the vote. And 341 tallied. So, uh, Andrew Yang came in sixth. You have Amy Klobuchar in fifth. Tom Steyer. Uh, you got Michael Bloomberg all the way down in two, four, six, eight, ten, eleventh eight, ten. Eleventh place, just ahead of Tulsi Gabbard.
0: Yeah. I mean, so did uh, Klobuchar, Yang, or any of those other folks get delegates? Good question.
1: Yang, Steyer, Duval Patrick, John Delaney, Michael Bennett, and Michael Bloomberg and Tulsi Gabbard, the other additional people listed on here, got no delegates. Yang did pull off 22 votes. Uh, Klobuchar, with 264 votes, got one oh, get singular a girl. delegate. Get a girl. Putting her in uh, fifth place. So uh, an interesting uh, display, uh, as we kind of t- talked about, um, you know, uh, not as diverse as many of the other states and contests, mm-hmm. not as populated as many of the other contests, um, a rural vote in a lot of ways, um, Des Moines being the kind of uh, center populace of Iowa, not that large of a, of a city. So, uh, you know, a measure of, uh, a little bit of the measure of kind of some of the smaller Midwest states uh, is what you can kind of pull from what happened in Iowa. Uh, otherwise, really just kind of an indicator that uh, the the battle is afoot.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing to be mindful in this one is that Bloomberg really hasn't isn't going for the four early ones this one being first new hampshire being next week um and we're recording this as the debates are going on right now and then with uh
1: nevada and south carolina following up yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: um so i think uh so right now uh, projections or just like the idea based on you know previous information is that because uh new hampshire is right next to vermont new hampshire is going to go hard for bernie um we'll see what happens next week um. After that, uh, Nevada and South Carolina are the ones that have uh, more of a, a, a multicultural vote. So we'll see. As maybe, at least in my estimation, based on you know what I've heard from groups who do and don't support him, or based on things, that's where uh, Joe Biden might get more support, because uh, I've heard that uh, blacks uh, over 35 seem to support uh, Biden. Biden uh, and blacks under 35 are pretty split between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. OK, Um. so we'll see if that holds up there, see if anything has changed and nevada nevada is of course mostly dominated by las vegas in, in terms of the voting block and uh, right. because there's a, a, a lot of workers who work in the hotels and in the entertainment areas there um a larger hispanic population mm-hmm. than
1: we would see in new hampshire iowa mm-hmm. or uh, even south carolina yeah uh a more diverse uh split between rural and um economic centers cuz mm-hmm. Las Vegas and Reno are larger cities compared to like Des Moines mm-hmm. and then um also uh you know a little bit of a wild card in the sense that you know like uh different you know forms of prostitution are legal in Nevada gambling is legal in Nevada mm-hmm. you know so the 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 type of Nevada voter is a little Different than, um, you know, uh, uh, they they hearken back to the Wild West in mm. a way. They kind of want to make their own way in the world. Don't tell me how to live uh, kind of thing. You know, they recently last election passed medical marijuana or uh, recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's an it's it's becoming a, a better um, kind of canary in the coal mine of the election itself, um, which is great that it comes so early, too. Uh You know, to get in the way of the kind of three previous, uh, you know, New Hampshire, Iowa, and then South Carolina, which uh, vaguely lean Republican Uh kind of in general, you you
0: get a little more of a purple state in Nevada. Indeed. Yeah. And then with Bloomberg, I wouldn't, like, take Bloomberg's numbers in these four states very seriously because he hasn't come campaigned heavily in those states his gambit has always been sort of the moderate republican that exists in super tuesday states so we'll see if his uh uh, his basically bombardment of political ads uh, across all spectrums, really, because I get them. And funny enough, when I was in Philadelphia, he was canvassing. Like, people were like, hey, do you want to canvass for Michael Bloomberg? And being the jackass Philadelphian am, I just yelled, fuck Michael Bloomberg. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so you know where I'm at on that, right? But... Like, it'll be very interesting to see where his numbers are overall in Super Tuesday. So, when Super Tuesday happens, we'll have to do a Super Tuesday special or kind of make that, maybe not the entire episode, but a good chunk of it. Because that's going to be a pretty good indicator of, right. like, who's going to be, like, uh, who's going to be neck and neck, who's going to matter in the later um and this year, that's going to land on, on
1: the, in the later contests, yeah. And it's going to land on March 3rd, uh, 2020 this year. Wow. Uh, in alphabetical order, it is going to include Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, as well as Democrats that are living abroad. Oh they'll also be included. So oh. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a it's a it's a wide swath, obviously including Texas and California in there uh is a lot there's a lot at stake. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it should be a good and then they're calling um another uh primary that comes after that uh super saturday
0: oh yeah i've heard that uh before but
1: but i think there's only maybe two states
0: participating
1: in that one this year uh i'll 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 get more of those
0: facts here um but uh but now that we've done that i guess we have to talk about the other elephant in the room and that is the debacle of the tabulation of the votes in the iowa caucus So, for those who don't know, originally, um, throughout the whole years, um, the Iowa caucus has done their things where they've had, like, you know, approximately 1,600 different caucus sites where people stand up, talk about the candidate they want, and then, you know, they go to the sides of the room, and then collectively, those are the people who want to vote for it. Um, and the individuals who are proctoring it and then leading it will, once everything's been done and settled, will take it, write it down, and then they'll call it into a phone bank and say, these were the results, bada bing, bada boom, let's go. But this time they were like, we trying to be fancy, it's 2020 and we trying to be fancy. So they decided that getting an app was going to be a good idea for this. Now, uh, I would imagine in our 88 shows, we have talked about the perniciousness of electronics and new technology especially when it comes to voting given the fact that hackers are abundant and or and like no matter how secure you think you are hackers going to break your shit right <laughs> like that that's one thing so just the fact that they were using it is a little weird but Given the fact that it was tech and in secret, um, there was a lot of missteps and a lot of kinks and a lot of bugs that happened that really affected how things were being reported. So I, I
1: did hear there was a paper trail, though, that even with all the mm-hmm. applications that there were uh, paper representation of all of it. So that ultimately is mm-hmm. what was taking so long was they were going back to that system and essentially reviewing all the paper ballot or the paper system.
0: Right and then added there is the, now the newfangled conspiracy theories of uh, this is yet again the DNC um trying to come through and uh, fuck shit up for Bernie now now as i'll take it from one of my friends this is not something we need to blame the DNC on like yes the DNC sucks like i'm not going to try to give praise to the DNC but uh, as always, since I started this uh, whole endeavor, r- you want to make sure that we're being, having a level of journalistic integrity when we're reporting on things. It's actually reporting what is happening. And then kind of, you know, waxing poetic on the thoughts of things and how it affects things. So this was a, a decision of Iowa's Democratic Party. Um, and this app was going to be slated to be used in Nevada. But Nevada was, after this whole mess, it was like, nah, I'm good, dog, nah. We ain't about that life right now. And 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 then there was a thing where one of the heightened things that happened Uh, that led to people thinking of this as a bit of a conspiracy theory based on the fact that Pete Buttigieg is the top winner of this is that his campaign gave the group that worked on it um, $40,000 and also added to the fact that the company that is working on it is uh, filled with a bunch of uh, former uh, Hillary Clinton staffers. So it means what it means. Again, without any definitiveness to be said, um, I don't want to speculate uh i just want to put it out there and basically from what i've observed through articles and individuals who are both for um who are both like you know uh see themselves as democrats or see themselves as people who uh want to vote for things that are more left aligned there there, there is a bit of there's a bit of a that's a little sus yo right so you know you know it is what it is
1: yeah and it it if you really look at it, it's a very complicated system for them because there's what they call the the first um, alignment, uh, which I guess Sanders was a clear winner. Mm. And then there's a final alignment where uh, party members who receive less than 15%, their supporters are allowed to support another candidate or simply go home. Oh. And that's the second alignment, which ended up pushing... Um, uh 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 Buttigieg into the lead although it's still actually technically being disputed um because it's kind of a mathematical situation here mm-hmm. and the and the number is so close 26.1 to 26.2 yeah so uh we might still be seeing some uh uh look at this over the coming days but as of right now uh there's the 13 12 division between those two candidates. And supposedly, if you actually count all the delegates that I had in that list, uh, there's one that was too close to call. So there's actually one missing delegate. Wow. 40 of the 41 have been announced in the AP's poll. So uh, And this quote here is, it's not immediately clear why the 41st delegate has not been allocated, although it may have been withheld because the news service didn't declare any winner in that race. So it was probably too close to call and or could have been a tie. In pledged delegates. Oh, so, all right. So it's,
0: well, that's that
1: clusterfuck. So Iowa, I guess, is not going to die soon, but it is technically over. We can move on. Uh, they are holding the debate tonight. Uh, it's just finishing up, uh, so... We'll have more on that in the next episode. I'm sure uh, what happened in Iowa would be a topic of some of the uh, discussion during that debate. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, at this point, just the way of of campaigns, uh, all eyes now move forward to New Hampshire. Indeed. And uh, what they can do there, um, which is actually not a caucus, but as we mentioned in the previous episode, a simple primary. Yep. So... Um, and, uh, what, uh, I guess I would, uh, the New Hampshire primary, what type of, uh, primary is that? Is it? An open or a semi-open?
0: Or? Oh, yeah, that's that's good to know, too. While you're looking that up, um, for individuals who are listening and you want to make sure you get get out there, um, we probably should do this for your information because the whole political action is lit is the type of thing that I want to let you all know about so you're informed, so you can go out there and have your voice be heard however you need to, based on the weirdness of our whole state system when it comes to voting um but of course um uh, there can be a closed primary and an open primary or sem- um semi open primary semi closed uh. which is what New Hampshire is uh semi closed uh
1: registered party members can only vote in their party's own primary mm. however unaffiliated uh, unaffiliated voters are allowed to participate as well so you essentially could switch to either depending on which state uh Making their choice of party primary privately inside the voting booth or publicly, um, so the election day in New Hampshire so on election day in New Hampshire, you can walk in as an independent and and declare. I would like to have the ballot for the Dems today Mm -hmm. and then you will go in and you, you'll vote in the Dems primary.
0: All right. So, um, yeah. So it's an interesting, so that's a you do you boo, uh, sort of primary. It kind of benefits you to just register as an independent in that
1: state. And yeah, kind of wait it out, I guess. Mm -hmm. Other than unless you're like a staunch Republican or a staunch Democrat, Mm -hmm. in which case it's like, no, my alignment is with this person. Um, I kind of get that. I, I was registered, you know, uh, as a Green Party member for two elections. Mm. Um, I was interested at the time, the um, threshold in order to get them into the debates and stuff was oh, lower. interesting. It okay. actually got increased during the Bush era. Oh. Um, I think now it's a hard 15% mm. in order to, to make uh, as a third party in the final debates um and so it which hasn't been reached since uh perot in the 90s oh wow so we probably won't see that unless those (laughs) thresholds are changed um but um i during the uh run-up to the obama election uh wanted to participate and at the time the primary in oregon you needed to Uh, declare with a party to participate in the primary. And so I, since that point, have been a registered Democrat. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily identify fully as a Democrat. I think I'm probably more Mm -hmm. independent-minded. I I, I hold some of the environmental ideals and the kind of anti-corporate politics of the Green Party. Mm -hmm. But it kind of lost my favor. Uh, post that second Nader run I, I, I love Nader as a person um, but it kind of the party started to fall apart I wasn't really behind Jill Stein I think she had some really good points to make um, and I think I, I think she would be a good voice to have in politics I think she would be a good representative but I didn't really see her as representing me as a president and mm-hmm. so I, I, I didn't continue my uh, green party-ness in the 2016 election um, I just kind of left myself registered dim um but yeah i i I think if I lived in New Hampshire or in a semi uh closed state, I would probably register directly as an independent,
0: yeah, I forget how it is in Pennsylvania, and like when I was a naive eighteen year old I was registered libertarian only because I thought that was the independent party uh I was wrong. <laughs> I know this now.
1: Super Pat Buchanan fan. Right. Hit, no, I was... Re- reading
0: uh, Ann Rand. No, I was, nah, <laughs> I was very much just like, like someone came up to me It was like, are you registered to vote? It's like, no, what do you want to register as? I'm like, "Uh, which one is the one that'll allow me to like make a decision on both sides? But actually, I do remember one thing that I'm like, kind of fuck all that with the Pennsylvania thing that I don't know if changed. But I think if you were independent, y- you couldn't do a party line vote um like so i was like i was a a little upset at that that we couldn't do a party line vote uh there so um i think i wonder if i registered democrat for the two elections that i was well i voted for john Kerry because i turned um 18 right in 2004 um and then and then after that i think i may have voted in a local election but then i left um in 2007 so so I didn't I wasn't able to register enough in time when I got into Washington for Obama okay um but once I registered here I registered as an independent because basically you don't really need to, to register as a democrat or, right cuz it's an open primary right yeah and even when we elect public officials, it says prefers the party, right? right? So, so I feel I feel really confident being an independent here, and really strongly about being an independent because I'm not really a fan of either party. <laughs> even though I, that's why I always say I vote left, and I, I make a really firm distinction between voting left and being a leftist versus being a Democrat. Right. And so, like, so yeah, that, that's where I'm at right now. So, like when. And the good thing about Washington is we used to have a caucus, and I went to the caucus, and I found the caucus fun. I actually wanted the caucus this year. I want to be like, I want Bernie because I want to take money out of things that we need as core things as people. And everybody else just want to be like, well, you know, if the free market says it's okay, it's okay, right? So that's what I want it to be. But mm, maybe I'll have one of those um, political action parties that we've talked about. Had one the last time for when we had the mayor. Um, I think this is another good time that there's now a good collection of candidates it have been – Um, whittled down enough that you know we can sit down and say like not have a caucus but you know have something that says i support this person and why right and then maybe that might convince people to change their vote and everything like that so i need to probably organize that before the middle of march because i think that's when our whole primary yeah uh, or yeah yeah, and and
1: also just to inspire people to make sure they participate because mm-hmm. as much as we uh we see it all and it be like wow how could you possibly ignore the presidential election with the- how much coverage it gets well people actually tune out on purpose oh oh yeah it's a lot and they tune out so much so that it comes up to the time where now your voice needs to be heard and it's like oh i'm not registered or oh i didn't update my address or mm-hmm. oh, i don't really care i didn't pay attention enough to know what i want and it's mm-hmm. like it is good to kind of open the eyes of some of those people who because you know in our our age bracket there's a lot of that kind of we have the angsty people a little older than us that are kind of in that uh, generation X that were kind of got listed as the slacker generation, you know, and some Mm -hmm. of them have kind of maintained that ideal of slackerism and not participated in these type things, and it's kind of, we've been slowly trying to pull them into the process and explain the importance, like, even if you just vote for your city council, you're affecting a vote, it's important to you, Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't want you to only participate in the presidential election, and in fact, it's probably... Uh, one of the lower tier as far as affecting your life directly and where you live. Um, obviously, given the nature of this presidency and what he's managed to do with um, executive orders and things and changing the dynamic of the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. uh, there's a little more at stake <laughs> with, with this role. But uh, but yeah, participation in general and inspiring that is always a key Um, And I think having those kind of parties and having people see that it's okay to have opinions about politics. Yeah. And it's okay to even have differing opinions. And if people can kind of come to a consensus of like, well, I can see why you support that person, you know. And then ultimately, if we can have a difference than what we had in the last democratic side where you know a bunch of um bernie supporters abandoned the democratic party and didn't participate in the final vote we kind of want to make sure that doesn't happen this time you yeah know? we want i mean i it, it's not uh just vote for them because they got a d next to their name but it kind of is
0: i mean yeah, that's why i talk about tactical unity yeah and i think you i, I think if you For me, if I'm going to make a a plea to this, I think it's the importance of pragmatism in this election. Like, I'm going to go hard for Bernie, right? I'm going to go hard for Bernie until I can. And then after that, I'm going to be like, well, you know what? Like, I think I saw a meme on uh, Facebook that talked about, like, um, when it comes to politics, it's about getting on the bus that's going to get you closest to your destination, um, and right now for me that's Bernie. Um and for Elizabeth Warren, even though she decided to take a snow route, even though it's not snowing, I'll still take her bus next. All right. <laughs> like um So so that's where I'm at with that. But the whole pragmatism in this is that like if you've been following things closely, like the minute things, like uh when it comes to LGBTQIA rights, uh when it comes to just like um, the, like, we have the legislative or the de jure, um, desegregation of schools, but we don't have the practical de-legislation of schools when it comes to our environment, when it comes to judiciary, uh, when it just comes to, like, little, like, just little things that, um, have happened over the course of three years, uh, you can, you'll know just how much damage Trump has done. And and it is key to understand that there's some people who wanted this damage to happen. Right. Right? And when it comes to those people, ain't about that life. No. No. Right? But uh, when it comes to us who didn't want to see that happen, but, you know, have differing views when it comes to, you know, whether it's Medicare or Medicare for all, right? Or, you know, if it comes to balancing the budget, even though I'm kind of like, now we should probably just take a rule from the uh GOP and just spend money however the hell we want like like we don't need to be sensible anymore like why are we the sensible ones like like anyway um <laughs> but what i'm saying is because of that and because we're going to have to spend probably a whole presidential term rolling everything back that he did and living with the consequences of those things um tactical unity is necessary to bring some equilibrium back to our politics and kind of that's what i went on when uh a while ago i read the book it's time for democrats to fight dirty um and i do think like it's time to be like nut up or shut up like like i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right like i like i said i'm gonna go hard for bernie Right, right i'm on the bus for warren i'll vote for whomever else gets elected if that's the case i won't like it but i'll do it right because right? that's called being a grown-ass adult but i <laughs> like <laughs> but i have a platform and i'm allowed to be like i don't like it right like what? i'm allowed to say that how am i voting <laughs> for this
1: steiner klobuchar <laughs> ticket this is so weird i did not see this coming wait let's make it real Klobuchar Steiner (laughs) ticket
0: like she Klobuchar Steiner well when it comes to tickets that I've heard going on now I have heard um like uh, like we've said this before too like Warren Buttigieg I've seen and I'd be down for that that'd be interesting right like and, and like the one thing about Pete Buttigieg is like like, uh, like as a black person, like, I, I went over his Douglas plan. I'm just like, this don't do enough. Like, you just, like, you pandering, right? And then, <laughs> like, when it comes to, like, his record as South Bend mayor and how he's treated black people and that, he's a little sus, right? And then when it comes to his track record when dealing with things that – um. Uh, with, like, in the corporate banks and the fact that he just added a Goldman Sachs member to his team, again, it's a little sus, right? Yeah. So that's why I don't stand him, right? But I, I have friends who very much stand him, right. um, and I think that's because, like, if I just look at him from an aesthetic point of view, I'm like, yeah, you presidential, okay? Right, right. Like, well, and <laughs> so you know, some
1: leadership qualities from being a mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of being the first gay president has some intriguing elements oh, to it, as far as progress. Um, uh, you know, his age, uh, being one of the young, the youngest president that would ever be elected.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if he'll, he's thirty seven now, I believe. Yeah, he probably would be thirty eight once he got inaugurated. Right.
1: Yeah. So, so all that is, um. You know, intriguing elements to the mm-hmm. whole Peep footage story, and uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, he's been an interesting candidate. He's been one of the most likely and willing to adjust his narrative as he as he sees fit. Which you know, we could see, you could describe it as a lack of consistency to a to a point. Mm-hmm. But like when the news came out, as far as his police appointment in. Uh, South Bend he did kind of go above and beyond to reach out to the black community of South Bend and be like where did I go wrong what can I do to fix this I'm sorry I didn't I don't want this to look like I abandoned you I know I fired the police chief uh, and you know there was a shooting that I didn't have the proper comments and so you know it's it, it's not perfect and it's not a good fit but it's interesting to see in a modern politics someone who's who's kind of taking the narrative as it goes and and, and trying to adjust for it. Um, it. It feels like the Twitter world type of president, you know, is going to have to kind of be able to do that. At the same time, Bernie Sanders doesn't necessarily have to do that because he's been on message for 40 years. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so So it's kind of this weird dichotomy of like, if you never fuck up, you don't have to change. But at the same time, if you do fuck up and recognize your fuck-ups, you got to be willing to change. So, yeah. you know, it is kind of a uh, an interesting uh, narrative there.
0: Right. So. And, uh, like, there's criticisms of Bernie Sanders, too. So oh, if I'm going to sure. put on my criticisms of Bernie Sanders hat, which I've done before, but I think like just to make sure that I'm just not like you know say it loud, I'm Bernie and I'm proud, like you know <laughs> who else. But um, uh, like I forgot about that James Brown <laughs> song, say it loud, I'm Bernie and I'm proud. Right. Like uh, one of the key contentions I always hear about is compromise. And uh, one of the reasons why it started to show is uh, when Trump first got elected, there was a huge push of this like blatant open like white nationalism and fascism um, that is happening in our country that I think is like summarily gets overlooked a lot um and I also find at times like my biggest criticism of establishment Democrats is that their principal stance for compromise uh, usually doesn't lead for with them compromising for stuff on their end to bring things more left but compromising on things that brings things more to the right right um and I think we're at a point right now that the Overton window has moved so much that I think it's dangerous to compromise with the right because of how where things are um and that's why i enjoy bernie sanders and it's unflappable i'm a leftist i'm a democratic socialist i want to bring things to this and i also feel like you can do that without needing to compromise the fact that you are wanting to put forth policies that are going to help everybody right right it's not like i need to be like yeah so and that's kind of, like, my big contention right now with the whole, like, and, and that's why, like, whenever I've been like, fuck the centrist like, that, that's what I'm articulating does not very well at that point in time. <laughs> right. right? Like, <laughs> and... He's pointing at me, guys. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm left center. Right, yeah. but <laughs> but, so, that's where I'm at there, but I do understand the nature of compromise, like, I've been in enough situations in my life where I understand that ultimately you need to think win-win, right. um, but I do feel like at times the democrats when they compromise it ends up being win-lose and i think we one we we need to understand that like we need to look at this holistically um we need to make sure that not only we're fighting for the actual presidency but we're actually doing what we can to oust people in the senate seats because you know uh mitch mcconnell is going to have a hard time uh, getting out of that seat because you want to know something, y'all. <laughs> Mitch McConnell has been a senator for as long as I've been alive. Yeah, yeah. Like, just think about that.
1: Yeah, and 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 for the first time, he's actually seeing some challenge to that seat. Yeah,
0: Amy McGrath is so
1: some serious uh, quantity. So yeah, I mean it's a it's an ongoing uh, debate and election, and um, there's a lot of contests to be won. A lot of delegates out there. Um, uh, more to be seen. And, uh, you know, we look forward to uh, bringing you the information as we see it and kind of our perspective on it. And uh, we encourage you to shoot us emails and tweets and, and give us some perspective on your end that we can uh, maybe articulate to some degree here on the show. And, uh, and we hope to kind of bring some people on in the coming year that have different points of view and come from different places of, mm-hmm. of perspective and participation and, and hopefully, uh, Give you kind of a a full perspective as best we can here at How You Live In. Uh, With that, I have an interruption for this important political debate.
0: And that is,
1: speaking of win or lose contests, I want to talk about the XFL, folks. Oh, shit. The XFL 2.0 2020 season kicks off tomorrow oh wow saturday february 8th is the first games of the second rendition of vince mcmahon's dream to challenge the nfl and uh yeah so tomorrow uh is the kickoff um and seattle does have a game at 2 p.m oh wow um are they playing at century uh, nope, it's an away game. Um, our first game at the CenturyLink Field will be next Saturday. Which oh, they get to play y- at
0: the y- Sunchal Railroad.
1: Yours truly will be in attendance. I did buy a ticket because I want to see what the... Uh, all the information on this is about so we're gonna have uh participating in this league this time around the dallas renegades the houston roughnecks the los angeles wildcats your very own seattle dragons Rawr. and in the eastern conference the dc defenders <laughs> the new york guardians <laughs> the st louis Battlehawks. And the Tampa Bay Vipers. <laughs> the Fighting Vipers. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a uh, little backstory: The XFL was a project of Mr. Vince McMahon way back in 2001 mm-hmm. and was an utter
0: failure. Bar- only lasted one season.
1: It only lasted one season. Nobody enjoyed it except for everybody because it was crazy, folks people got hurt on the opening kickoff because at the very beginning they put the ball in the middle of the field and everyone had to like run for it. And they had some major injuries in that. Uh, they tried to make, uh, it a little more violent without as many penalties for hard hits. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that caused some <laughs> turmoil, but, uh, it did have some innovations that we, uh, continue to see. Uh, there was a, uh, Um, person holding a camera that was cut to occasionally, so they were on the field. So an on-the-field cameraman, uh, as well as the -the in-the-air cable cam was an invention of the XFL, which is still used in uh, NFL broadcasts today. So um, it definitely added to the legacy of pro football. Um, Its most famous player during the time was a Mr. Smart who went by the nickname He Hate Me which you were allowed to put nicknames on the back of your jerseys then. So that's what his jersey uh, read. And after mm-hmm. it folded, he ended up becoming a uh, Philadelphia Eagle. Oh, wow. And then later a uh, Panthers, uh, Carolina Panthers player, who he played with Jake DeLome as quarterback. Jake DeLome! Who, who owned a uh, horse ranch and named one of his horses she Hate Me. Oh, Lord. Oh, so he liked his, <laughs> his boy, Mr. Smart. Uh, the most uh, prolific player out of the league was Tommy Maddox, who uh, ended up going to the Pittsburgh Steelers after it folded, taking the 2002 squad to the playoffs, and played for them for another two years as their starting quarterback. So, um, and he actually was on the team as a backup to... Uh, Mr. Ben Roethlisberger, when he beat the Seattle Seahawks in Super Bowl 40. Um. So, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, XFL 2020. Uh, He's not trying to innovate it the game as much as before. He really just wants an exciting game of football to, to rival the X, uh, the NFL. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are going to suggest that it's probably going to be quality between high school football level in Texas and college football, double a or, or uh, division two football, but we shall see. Um, he's got some names uh, of quarterbacks who have served <laughs> in the NFL as well as Uh, players that didn't quite make it or that shined pretty well in college. So uh, it all starts uh, tomorrow, and uh, we'll see. Um, You know, there was a failed league last year that was called the AAFL, uh, Mm. and it was started with CBS Sports and uh, Dick Ebersall's son, Charlie Ebersole, uh, was the founder of that. Dick Eversall ran uh, NBC Sports for about 30 years, famously survived a plane crash, which killed one of his sons, I believe Dang. Teddy Ebersol perished. Okay. But Charlie Ebersol, at 11 years old, survived that plane crash, wow. went on to work for his dad at NBC Sports, Uh, wrote a documentary for the 30 for 30 series on ESPN and then was chairman of the uh, AAFL last year, which actually only played six games before it folded.
0: Oh, damn. And
1: uh, famously didn't pay most of its players. Wow. uh, The XFL, money's guaranteed because it is coming from billionaire vince mcmahon uh estimates are between uh one hundred and five hundred million and 500 million dollars will be lost by mr vince mcmahon in this venture yeah so uh, i
0: mean so so yeah it's still football right and yep. we all know how Chaz feels about the nfl <laughs> um so like ideally i wonder like if i put on my you know recovering capitalist hat on for a second um and wonder if he uses this uh, uh to be the league that does a good job of promoting you know just like uh, marginalized groups and making sure that they have a voice there um uh, probably like a place where like I don't know a lot of uh, uh gay or queer or a- anyone who are within the LGBTQIA plus um individuals who who are in the NFL and who are out and open. Um, I did watch the Aaron Hernandez thing on Netflix and it was interesting. And there was one guy on there who talked about coming out and needing to be in the closet while there. So I definitely think if you look at things as like, you know, everything is a market, which uh, I'm not a fan of, but I'm also a fan of representation. There, so. there, there is actually is a market for representation,
1: right? In yeah. progress And voice of, you know, uh, the, the Colin Kaepernick, Neil mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was offered a contract in this league. Oh. Uh, but it far uh went below any salary compensation that he had ever had in the NFL and of so course. he went ahead and passed he said that to a degree his statement was that to a degree accepting that would kind of lessen the impact of the message that he was saying mm-hmm. and so that he didn't that he he was like happy the league existed for people that wanted the opportunity but that it wasn't uh, an exact opportunity for him but it is interesting that just in offering him a contract They are kind of making a statement that um, personal player uh, statements and beliefs aren't going to be challenged in a way. You know what I mean? I mean, Uh challenged within the framework of the rules of the game and probably, you know, laws. But as far as like kneeling during the national anthem,
0: it sounds like that would be supported if that was important to the player. So, um, and it's definitely like, definitely like from the whole, you know, the regular NFL season that happens, like preseason starts in August, uh, um, goes all the way up until December, right when you hit the playoffs, and then playoffs are a whole January thing, and then you got, you know, the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl right there heading into February. So, kind of doing that whole, uh, February to July space to, in order to have something there. Yeah. That's kind of the space where arena football was. Um, so China like you know inject themselves into that space because you know people who like football probably just want to watch football Um, and you know you know sports establishments uh like sports bars and stuff are going to be like yeah if it's good enough right so and i know that like if it comes with that its own baggage so i hope i hope they do something with it like i i hope they become you know the standout that allows me to go like if i wanted to watch football again other than i guess i could just watch college football if i felt like it but <laughs> um but just to, to have someone out there that says well don't no, we understand what you're going through and we're not going to let our butthurt ass fans get in the way of you having a voice here yeah, so uh,
1: look out for the XFL games in a city near you uh, starting tomorrow, and uh, you know, hopefully our Seattle Dragons bring home the trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and I do hope that it uh, um, it expands um, a voice for some people and. Uh, Hopefully, some of that narrative comes out of this. Um, There is a guaranteed two-season contract, so it should at least outlast its one-season predecessor. Okay. Uh, And, uh, you know, it is yet to be told... Um, obviously, you know, uh, some successes in the last 30 years would be, uh, the MLS, uh, major league soccer, mm-hmm. uh, it was created in 1996 and has expanded wow. to over 30 teams at this point, Damn. um, adding between two to four every other year or so. So, um, yeah, uh, there is room for expansion of sports in the, uh, the, the markets, uh, and uh, also, you know, maybe this could be the league that learns how to expand into places like Europe or or Canada and, uh, and and you know, kind of gives that an opportunity. Indeed. Playing in the summer, a little bit easier for travel as well as weather. So, uh, you know, we shall see. So that's my little uh, interruption. Uh, check it out. And if you don't have a team in your area, feel free to support our Seattle Dragons. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want to leave the folks with before we get out of here?
0: Um, It is Black History Month, but uh, kind of what I want to say is just like since we're kind of this is like our first like one on one sort of uh, part of the year is that like through through the last like, I don't know, like three or four years, I've been kind of examining just kind of just like how routine. Um, our months go, like, we know like, it, whenever I'm doing my budget or planning to go out and do things just understanding, like, you know, we got Valentine's Day coming up, and we we know how that goes sometimes uh, then after that, we have the drinking days of St. Patty's Day and Cinco de Mayo, right, and all that stuff, like, right, but uh, we always have, like, big months, like, it's Black History Month, we have Hispanic Heritage Month, um, uh, we have, uh, June is always lgbtq month and everything like that and i definitely want to make sure that like when i i mean i love that we take black history month and we promote the history of america because you know black history is american history but i also want to make sure we take the time to do it in all the other months too Right. So I kind of want to do a thing where I definitely want to have more black voices on the show because I definitely think we need it. And I think going back home to Philadelphia made me understand just how much um, I need to re uh, reconnect with that part of my life and just making sure that I can use all my privileges. In more so ways, too. But also want to make sure in other ways in other marginalized groups that um, I love and want to be heard. Like, I remember one time I was mapping out what I wanted to do for the show. And I was doing what every other corporate sponsor would do. Oh, hey. It's the month about the thing. It's the month about the thing. Like, if I care about, you know, breast cancer, I don't want it to be October when it's Susan B. Cohen month when I'm like, I'm aware to pink because breast cancer was good. Like, you know, right. I don't want to live my life like that anymore. I want to be presently aware that all these things affect people all ever year. presently. 365 days a year, 166 on leap years, which this year is um three hundred sixty six on leap year that'd be funny if it, if
1: it went from three sixty five to one sixty six we just lose two hundred days Whoa. man, leap years would be crazy yeah. fool. Oh what? man, my 366. paycheck will be aft anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I
0: just want people to be mindful of that. Like, I mean, but but you can also be like when it comes to that. When it comes to the interpersonal things. When it comes to the people who exist in our society that are treated in certain ways. Uh, right, we have to understand that they are whole people. Right, and they exist in who they are every day of every year. So we need to be mindful of that every day of every year. Right, and but. I am not against y'all doing your year-end event if you need to lease a car, and you know that's the best time to lease a car. <laughs> and I'm not going to be mad at you if you decide to buy a big-screen TV because, you know, after the big game, all that shit goes on clearance. That's the way well, of th- Chaz wishing you a happy toyota or right. Honda clearance days. Uh, happy Honda Day! <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So.
1: Well, that is a noble thing. So, yeah, you, you Use this month to go ahead and and participate in in being aware of black history and what it is, but uh, be uh, perspective in in being able to do that other parts of the year, Mm -hmm. including the rest of it. So, Yeah. yeah, I like that. The more you know.
0: The more you know. Um,
1: and for you guys to know, if you guys have comments or questions about uh, things we've talked about today, go ahead and hit us up on Gmail at hylbox at gmail.com. That's the How You Live In Gmail box for all your How You Live In mail needs. And if you want to get at me directly, I'm on the Twitter sphere at C Town Mayor because I'm helping your municipality by the coast. How can they get at you, Chaz?
0: I'm over here trying to live my best life on the Instagram. So you can find me at a uh, Chaz Dash Baz on the Instagram. That's one Z in Chaz, two Z's in Baz. Yes, yeah, so I always forget. Like I don't know why I always like assume people should know. Yeah. But like some people be like, "Is there two Z's in the Chaz?" And I'm like, "I'm not promontory. <laughs> right?" Like and. <laughs> And so, and then also on the TikToks at Chaz underscore Baz, even though I don't know, I still don't know what I want to do with TikTok. Like, I learn about cooking on TikTok sometimes, huh. and I see, like, you know, teenagers being ridiculous, right? So, yeah, yeah it is what it is. Well, uh, happy
1: Black History Month to you, Chaz. Thank you, thank happy you. Happy XFL kickoff weekend to you, Chaz. Thank you, thank you. Happy pre. Valentine's Day Singles Day
0: Singles Awareness Day to you Uh,
1: Happy shortest month of the year Plus a day Yeah And as always This has been fun Chaz Uh Yes it's
0: it's been fun Mikel We out Peace they send a FBI indictment, ain't no binding me out. I feel like OJ be the murder, cause two bodies got found. And I made my bones in East Atlanta. Started from the bottom like Tony Montana. Yellow black rubber like a yellow bandana. Crazy young niggas that the key on camera. Gucci man got plenty of honor.